Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Thanks for tuning into our series, The Follower's Trail Guide, Navigating the Path of Jesus, where we're asking the question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? As we walk through Jesus' farewell discourse to His followers in the book of John, we'll learn to follow in the steps of Christ as He marks out the way of discipleship for us. Excited to be here with you guys this morning. Um, I am here as a candidate, uh, obviously. Um, my wife, uh, who's sitting right here, my wife Kristen and Ella are here. Um, Kinsley, my youngest, is in the uh, kids. Um, but super excited to be here with you. And before I even say anything, I, I just want to say um, that this process, man, I am, I am. I appreciate Woodside. I appreciate the process, even though it's been 16 steps. It's been a long process, but I so appreciate that they aren't just flipping about this, that they actually go through a process um, to hire and, and to do that. And so I really appreciate that about them, um, and I appreciate the process that I've been through. Um, it's been a lot of meetings and stuff like that, but um, it, they've been good. They've been really good. And then I also want to say, uh, um, on behalf of CT and Meg, as I said in the first service, like every like I've, we've met with them, we've talked with them, and they love you guys. They love this church. They love Lapeer. They love you guys. Um, it has been nothing but great things that they've told us about you and the great things that God is doing here. And so it has been just such a blessing um, to walk through and to hear uh, what's been happening in Lapeer. It's been awesome to be able to spend time with Jim and getting to know him and, and even Gary uh, to spend some time with him and hear the history of the church a little bit and, and all those things. It's been a blessing this whole entire process. And so, you know, um, sometimes change can be hard. Um, we know that. And so I know that. Um, but if you guys don't mind, I, I would just love to kind of share my story <clears throat> with you guys, um, kind of before I get into the message, and if I have time, I'll preach, but um, I want to share my story with you guys, uh, and just a little bit about who I am, who we are. Um, so I grew up here in Lapeer, actually in Attica, right up the road. I grew up um, at uh, Newark Road, right across from Forest Road, um, and, and grew up there my whole entire life. Um, my parents had a farm there. We grew up on a pig farm. Uh, we had anywhere from 400 and around there pigs. Um, so it was a, a full-time gig to take care of the farm growing up. Um, I was, went to uh, Attica Elementary through third grade. Um, when I was in third grade, um, I have four siblings, three brothers. I'm the second oldest. My youngest uh, is a sister, which uh, God bless her. She put up with us. Um, but there's five of us, and so my parents decided when I was in third grade, hey, we're going to homeschool you guys. Um, we're going to put you through torture. Uh, no, it's more the other way around. We actually put my mom through torture. Can you imagine homeschooling four boys and a girl? My mom's sitting right here, and God bless her. I don't know how she's uh, still alive and handled it, um, but it, it was a journey. Uh, it was a journey being homeschooled. I think they did it specifically so that we could actually work the farm um, because they literally, my dad, uh, every waking moment that we had, he was like, hey, there's chores to be done. I don't remember much of my childhood. I just remember working. Um, 
So there was always something to be done on the farm. And uh, looking back, man, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for the work ethic that, that my dad instilled in me. Um, I wasn't going to do this. He passed away in August, and uh, <clears throat> it was rough, but I'm so proud of my dad and so thankful for the things that he instilled in me and my parents. Um, the one thing that they did is we were always in church. Um, we grew up at First Baptist Church in Lapeer. Uh, we were there when the doors were open. I often thought that maybe we actually might have a second home in the church. We lived there. Um, because we were there every time the doors were open. My parents were serving there. We were serving there. Um, it didn't matter what was going on. We were at the church, and my mom and dad taught us that it's important to be in church. And so um, that was something that we did. And uh, growing up, um, being involved in the church, all my friends were at the church. Then we were involved in the youth group. And uh, one year in my senior year, um, we were going on this leadership conference uh, in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania to Baptist Bible College. And we went to this, um, and I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. Um, I just knew that I wanted to be uh, have fun, right? I was always about fun and doing things. And so basically I went on this leadership conference, and I remember we're sitting there, and I remember Ken Rudolph, he was speaking, I don't remember what he was speaking about, but I just remember it impacted my life and spoke to my heart. And I remember God prodding in my life in that moment to where he actually was like, some of you today are going to be called into ministry. And I felt like, what? No, not me. I can't be in ministry. I'm, I'm crazy. Like, there's no way I can be in ministry, right? And I remember when he gave the invitation uh, we sang the old song, I have decided to follow Jesus, right? And you sing it 27 times till all the people come forward. <laughs> but really, we're singing that song, and I didn't wait till the 27th time. I actually got out of my seat in the first, like, three words. I, like, felt God just pick me up and go, you're going to be in ministry. And I remember walking down that aisle and going to the front, and I was like, God, whatever you want for me, I'm willing to do. I'm willing to do, God. And I went home, I told my parents, and I remember my mom, she said to me, uh, you're going to be a pastor someday. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> There's no way I can do that. I'll go into ministry, but I ain't going to be a pastor. There's no way I can do that. And um, mom, you were right, <clears throat> maybe. Um, <laughs> we'll see what they decide. <laughs> but Man, um, deciding to go into ministry uh, for me was big. Um, so I went away that, that year uh, to college. I went to Pensacola Christian College for a couple years and studied youth ministry there and then um, left there and came home, um, kind of got distracted. I, I really was like, okay, youth ministry, that's what I want to go into, but you know, how do I want to go about it? And I really felt like, man, I love the outdoors. I want to go into camp ministry. So I went and worked at Lake Ann for a summer, and I became a counselor there, was there uh, up in Traverse City, worked there for a uh, summer, and then all of a sudden the next summer I'm like, okay, I'm back there, and then I became an intern there. And I remember back, let's rewind, back in Awana um, when I was eight years old, I specifically remember that I was 
I can remember it like it's yesterday. I, I was there in Awana, and my leader was uh, Mr. Tannis. And I remember them talking about the gospel, talking about Jesus, talking about salvation. And I remember going back, we sat at this table. Maybe you guys, some of them, some of you guys had them. They're like a, a kidney bean table. I think it's shaped in a kidney bean, right? It's shaped like a bean. And, and the guy, you know, the leader sat in the middle and all the kids around. And, and it's like this tall and the leader's legs are way up and, and it's jammed in there. I never understood it. But we sat in these little chairs. I remember sitting at that table and, and Mr. Tannis said, do any of you guys, you know, we're talking through the gospel. Do any of you guys want to give your life to Christ? And I raised my hand. And I remember that moment. I remember specifically praying that prayer and, and saying, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart um, at that age. But I don't think I really understood all that came with a relationship with God. And so I, I walked through many, 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 many years of just thinking, yeah, okay, I've prayed a prayer and I'm saved and I'm, I'm good, you know, I'm going to heaven. And so fast forward to Lake Ann. Uh, me and the four other interns, we were leaving uh, that summer as interns. We were going to a camp in Brazil, and we were going to go on a mission trip for that summer. And we were going to go there, and we were going to show them some things about camp and try to help them and, and, and create this camp. And so we get there, and we're there for like a week. And I remember sitting in a pavilion in the back row as there's tons of kids and tons of people, and they're singing and they're praising and they're worshiping. Uh, and I didn't even know what they were singing. It was just in Portuguese. And I'm like, I don't even understand what they're saying. But I remember feeling in my heart like, God, there's something missing. Like, what's missing, God? And I remember leaving that pavilion in the middle of that song and I'm like I, I just need to go somewhere and I walked over to my room which was this hut and it had a porch on it and it had a hammock that overlooked the jungle and I remember laying in that hammock at that time and I was just kind of crying I'm like what is wrong with me right and I'm crying and, and I'm thinking like God what am I missing and it was a relationship and in that moment praying to God I was like God I know you've saved me, but do I have a relationship with you? And I remember thinking, man, I need to give God my all in that moment. And I remember just kind of dedicating my life to Jesus in that moment and giving my whole life to him and, and surrendering that to him and starting that relationship, actually, and what it looked like to have a relationship with Jesus in that moment. And I remember after that, I'd love to say... Man, it was just, after that, God was good, and I just did great things for God. But that wasn't the case. I came home. I still worked there for a little bit at the camp. And then, eventually, I walked away from my calling. And I went into trades. I went into working concrete and building houses and all these other things that I, I did throughout many, many years in which I got mixed up with the wrong crowds and, and, and got doing things that I shouldn't be doing and all these other things that got in the way of what Jesus, of what God was calling me to, to be in ministry. And I remember I met my wife one day and uh, I met her in a bar. And so I met her and we started this dating relationship and we were, uh, you know, dated for about five and a half years. And about halfway through that relationship, 
of five years, we started to go back to church, or I did. I started going back to church, and I started going to Woodside, and it was Lighthouse, their college ministry. My brother Jim had invited me, and I was like, yeah, why not? You know, I started going back there, and uh, I remember going there for a few times, and Pastor Cliff, uh, Cliff Johnson, I didn't know him at all. I just remember this, like, he came up to me, and I, you know, I'm this you know, redneck boots, you know, bull rider, all these things that I had done. And I'm just sitting there, you know, in the back row. And he comes up to me and he says, John, hey, you're John Dolkey. I'm like, yeah, you're Jim's brother. I go, yeah. And he says, hey, when are you going to stop running? And I remember looking at him going, who the heck are you? And what are you talking about? And he's like, hey, I'm just curious, like, when are you going to stop running? And I was like, you don't know me? And he's like, well, do you want to get coffee sometime? I'm like, no, (laughs) absolutely not. And I remember leaving and I just like turned around and walked away and I was mad. I was like, who is this guy that thinks he knows me and he's telling me that I'm running? What am I running from? I remember getting his number later that week and I just felt like something was tugging at me. I remember calling him (laughs) and I called him, and, and I said, hey, Cliff. And he goes, yeah, who's this? I said, this is John Dalkin. And he goes, oh, you ready to get coffee? And I said, yes. Okay, yes. Let's get coffee. And I remember going with him and getting coffee, and he kind of talked to me. And I came to the realization that I was running. I was running from God. But the whole time I was running, he never stopped pursuing me. And he never stopped chasing me. And I remember going through the process of even talking to Kristen and saying, hey, we need to start going to church. We need to start changing things. We need to start doing the right thing. And she started coming with me to church. And and that led to me being able to, uh, almost a year later, being able to lead her to Christ and then her getting baptized. And then we started serving at Troy in the student ministry together. And we were group leaders. And then eventually I became an intern for uh, Jerry Hines down there in, in in the student ministry for a year, and God just kept working and working and working. And I was working for a, a, a farm up the road, actually, right up here on Wild Road. I was working for a farm full-time. Um, Kristen and I had just gotten married. We were living in Leonard, and um, we, we, I was like, man, I don't know what it is. I've been working at this farm for five years, and I'm like, I don't know what it is, but there's something like missing. I, I've got a restlessness in me. And I don't know what's next. And I remember telling Chris, like, I don't know if I should go to school but, um, or go back to school or what I should do. I, I'm just going to pray about this. And literally, almost a week later, I'm sitting in the tractor and I'm mowing hay. And all of a sudden I get a phone call and I look at the phone and it's Pastor Rick Seidel from Lake Orion. And we had just started attending Lake Orion for a few months when it just opened. And I remember looking at that phone and I'm like... It's the pastor. I've got to take this, right? The pastor's calling. you got to take it. So I stopped the tractor and I answer the phone. And Rick says, hey, John, you got a minute? And I'm like, sure, I've got a minute. Okay, yeah. And we started talking. And he said, hey, have you ever thought about going into ministry? And I said, like, well, maybe. Why? And he said, well, your brother, Jim, who's the student ministry guy, He's now moving to Troy, and he's going to be the college ministry pastor there in Troy. And so we have this student ministry 
job open, would you be willing to consider it? And I said, Rick, I got to hang up the phone. I said, I got to go. And I hung up. And I remember sitting in that tractor again in tears. And I'm like wrestling with God like, God, whoa, hold up. No, no, no. You can't answer the prayer that quick. <laughs> like, hold up. Give me some time. Like, God, like we're supposed to have a process, right? And that led to me taking the position at Woodside Lake Orion as the student ministry pastor there, not knowing what the heck I'm doing, but knowing that God called me to something and knowing that he called me to that position. And so I was there at Lake Orion. I quit the job at at the farm, was there uh, full time. And I started there and was there for about six and a half years as a student ministry guy. And then they hired me as the family ministry guy who was actually in charge of kids and students. And then I remember having that restlessness again one day, and I said, man, God, there's something you're doing. I don't understand it, but show me. Show me, Lord. And I went through the, about three months of feeling that restlessness, and I said, you know what? I just don't feel like you're calling me to the students anymore. And so I remember going in and saying, I'll take this step of faith. This is just, I don't feel it. And I remember giving my resignation and saying, hey, I I don't feel like God's calling me to this anymore. And that led to conversations with leadership saying, hey, so do you want to leave ministry or do you want to do, you want to do something else? And we're like, I'm like, well, I'd love to be in ministry, but there's, where do I go? You know, where do I, what do I do? And they say, well, what's your heart? And I said, I love people. Like, I want to, I want to help people. I want to do things for people. And they said, well, what, is, what do we put you in outreach? And I'm like, well, there's no outreach positions. I said, let's create one. And so... Long story short, they, they put me into an outreach position there at Lake Orion. And again, I had no idea. I'm just like, hey, let's do this. I love people. I want to be a part of this. And, and for four and a half years, I literally was in this outreach position with Next Steps and getting people integrated into the church and bringing people in and, and helping serve people in the community. And it's been such a blessing to be a part of that. And so 12 years at Lake Orion, God's allowed me to be a part of the ministry there. And then, again, the restlessness, right? Where God's moving. And about a year ago, I get a phone call from Steve Zarelli, and he says, hey, you got a minute? I said, yeah, sure. He says, hey, would you ever consider going to Lapeer as the campus pastor? And I was like, whoa, (laughs) what? No. Not right now. Hold on. And he said, well, why don't we talk about it? And so that was the conversation a year ago that Jim was talking about with CT possibly going to Royal Oak and and the conversation to me possibly coming out here. And I'm like praying. I'm wrestling with God. Like, if this is what you want, God, then I'll go. But man, I don't know if I'm the guy. Like, you sure, God? Like, is this me? Like, I should I? And then he shut the door. And I was like, okay, thank you, Lord. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Make, you made it easy. And he shut the door, and I was like, okay, there's still a restlessness. It lit a little bit of a fire in me, in my heart, to say, well, what if, though? What if, what could happen? Like, God, what if you did lead me to Lapeer? But okay, you shut the door. And then I went on sabbatical in July, and uh it was a time of rest for me, for my family, and we were 
out west, and we were traveling for a few weeks going camping. And I remember we were in Wyoming, and at a good friend uh, of ours, he has a, a home out there. We were out there looking, overlooking the Rockies. It was beautiful. I was at peace. Like, it was a beautiful, restful time. And then all of a sudden, I see a phone call, and it's Steve Zarelli. And I remember looking at it, and my wife says, don't answer that. <laughs> and I said, but it's, it's like my boss's boss's boss. I have to answer it. Like, even if I'm on sabbatical, I've got to answer this. So against her better judgment, I went outside on the porch, and I answered the phone. And Steve says, hey, John, you got a minute? And I was like, well, sure, I'm on sabbatical. I got a lot of minutes. Like, what do you need? And he says, hey, remember the conversation about Lapeer? And I said, yeah. And he goes, what would you think about being the campus pastor at Lapeer? And I'll be honest, I remember thinking to myself, okay, here we go again. Like, what? No, you know, I can't do that. And so... He said, just pray about it. Pray about it as you're on sabbatical. Pray about it, and we'll talk when you get home. And I remember getting off the phone and just walking through that prayer. Like, God, what does it mean? That fire that was lit got a little bit bigger. The desire got a little bit bigger. And then we went through the process as I got home. We started this process, and I prayed and prayed, God, show me clarity. Give me clarity, Lord. Show me that you're calling me there. And through every conversation with leadership, with people, with people that I look up to in my life, God literally affirmed it again and again and again and again. And I was like, God, just show me. I want clarity. I want peace in this moment. And so here we are today in one of the final steps of this process. And I want you guys to know that I love God and love people, as Jim said. But I love Lapeer. This is my hometown. I want you to know that. I also want to be real honest. I know that maybe there's some past hurt. That maybe there's some confusion that maybe there's some moments where in the last seven, eight years that you've questioned and said, what's going on? I recognize that, guys. I know that. And I want you to know I, I feel that. And I love you guys. And I want you to know that also that my heart God has really given me a heart for Lapeer. Like, this is my hometown. I'm excited about this. I love Lapeer. I love God. I love people. And if we can do that together, I think God can do incredible things. And this next season, this next um, step of faith that we walk through, we have to trust God through this process. And so just know that my heart, God has called me to here, to this place. And if that's where God is going to, to make it final, then I want you to know that I'm committed to you guys. 
I want you to know that I love Lapeer, that I've prayed and prayed and prayed over this as, as God's led me through this process. I've prayed for Lapeer. I've prayed for God to give me vision for Lapeer. I've prayed for God to give me a calling and, and for him to just affirm this. And so for me, I'm all in, just like Jim said. For me, I'm all in. I know that God's calling me here. And he's given me a vision for Lapeer, and I'm super excited about it. I'm super excited about getting to know each and every one of you guys. And I know and I recognize that change is hard. And sometimes it's confusing. But I want you guys to know that I love you guys, even if I don't know you personally. I love you as brothers and sisters in Christ, and I'm excited for what God's going to do in and through us I want to come and serve alongside of you. I want to be in the community. I pray, my prayer in my heart is that this church would be a beacon of hope for those in this community, that it would be a lighthouse for people to see and to come to, that when people mention the name of Woodside in in this community, that they would say, oh, that's the church that loves people. That's the church that wants to reach out to people. That's the church that we can go to for hope. And that would be my prayer for us here at Lapeer. That's my story, guys. That's how I came to this point. And now I got to try and preach a message in 10 minutes. <laughs> but would you pray, for, pray with me and, and pray for me? Pray for us as a community um, that the church would be unified that the church would come together in these moments of change and that we would love each other and that we would walk through life together. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for the opportunity to serve you. God, every day I'm humbled that you would even think to choose me God, I pray that if this is your will for this church, that you would make it very clear. That you would give us clarity, God. That you would give us peace. That you would unite this church, Lord, as one. And that when we, when we go into the community, that we'd be a beacon of hope, Lord. That you would grow this church, Lord, in this next season. God, help us always to remember it's not about me. It's not about any one of us. It's not about a person, Lord. It's about you. I'm going to fail. We are going to fail. But God, help us to be faithful and obedient to your word and faithful and obedient to what you've called us to. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. All right. Well, ready to race? So we are in, um, you can open your Bibles to John chapter 16, 25 through 33. And we're in the final part of the Followers Trail Guide, our series. And uh, today, I want to ask you, do you have everything you need to get through life? Do I have everything that I need? 
Often when I go on trips, I love hunting, I, I love hiking, I love camping. And when I go on these trips, I love to travel. And when I go on them, I want to have everything I need. Why? Because I don't want to be stranded somewhere with something that I don't have or I need. And so as I'm preparing for these trips, I lay out everything, you know, and I've got everything planned out and put it all in and put it all together. And I want to make sure that I have everything I need so that when that time comes, I am not in need. And sometimes I bring way too much stuff. But in the same way, when we ask about our lives, especially in regards to our spiritual pursuits, do you, do we, do you, have everything we need to flourish and to overcome in this world? Do we actually believe that we have everything that we need? The problem is, is that many of us don't actually believe that. We don't actually believe that we have everything we need. We believe that Jesus can get us to heaven, but to enjoy a good life, we have to possess things, right? We have to possess things, have things in this world to enjoy a good life. We believe the kingdom of God is coming, but we put our hopes in people or politicians. There are so many areas of our everyday lives where we functionally do not believe that Jesus has supplied everything we need for life and godliness. And here, here's the thing. Jesus wants us not just to say it. He wants us to actually believe it and experience it and know it. He wants us to know that we have everything in that we need in our lives. So in today's passage, we're going to see that we can have courage and that ultimately Jesus' victory provides us with everything we need to follow him. The first thing in John chapter 16, verse 25 through 28, if you'd look with me, the first thing he provides us with is access. It says this, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father." One of the main points of this entire discourse in chapter 13, chapter 13 through 16 has been to reassure and give confidence to the disciples. He's trying to build them up and give them confidence. Jesus told them in 14.1, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Their distress and anxiety came from the realization that God was depart- or Jesus was departing from them. Jesus was going to leave them. How would they know how to live? How would they know what to do? How would they know how to actually act? How would they get through this? And because of this, the first resource that Jesus speaks about in his victory is access. That he gives us full access. He points his disciples forward in their vision to the hour when everything is made plain. As Jesus speaks, he encourages his disciples that there is a time coming when they will get it when they will actually understand what he's talking about. A time coming when their perception and understanding of who Jesus is and what he's doing will no longer be confusing, but it'll be plain to see. He's trying to help them understand that. 
Their understanding of what Jesus has been saying mainly um, will be related to their relationship with the Father. Jesus, as the eternal Son of God, has come to make the Father known. And so here Jesus relates to them that their understanding of the Father will change because they will be fully acquainted with the Father. He says in verse 26 through 27, Jesus tells them that when the hours come, you will ask in my name, and I do not say that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you. See, the access that is spoken of here is the result of a new relationship that Jesus will provide. It's because of this new relationship that we have in Christ that we have full access to God the Father. Think about this. Man, I used to love when we would go to a water park when I was younger and we'd get that wristband and we would have full access to the water park. We could go anywhere we wanted. We had full access. I just, my wife and I just went to a concert um, Friday night with some friends over at Mount Zion to Matthew West concert. We had a full access pass, VIP, that we could actually go meet Matthew West. We met his dad. We were able to talk with him. And then we got to get, go sit front row of that. And so we had this full access pass to go anywhere. And in Christ, our all-access past reunites and restores us relationally to the Father. We never have to fear drawing near to Him. We have a full-access pass to Jesus. Do we actually take advantage of that? The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 10, 19, Therefore, brothers, Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for a full access pass to God. What I've learned in this last year, in this process of all of this, is that I need to pray more. I have learned that I need to go to God more. I need to pray more. There have been moments where I'm actually like just in prayer. Every morning it seems like I wake up, sometimes at 3, 4 in the morning, and I'm just laying there because uh, God's just waking me up and like, hey, I want to talk to you. And I feel like, man, I'm just I'm walking in this moment of prayer. Uh, not that I, I pray just when I need God. Not that I pray when, I, when I'm thankful for something, right? Those are great things, but that I'm actually walking and praying with God on a daily basis all day. And I feel like God has literally given me this, and, and, and through fasting and praying and through this, he's, he's woken me up or, or, or given me this, this vision of like, hey, John, you need to pray more. You need to talk to me more. And so in this, I find myself even walking like, and just talking to God and people are looking at me like, who's this dude talking to? But I'm like, man, God, I just want to talk to you. I want to, I want to pray. I want to talk to you more. I want moments with you. And the question for us today is, do we actually take full access passes? Do we actually take advantage of our full access pass? What Jesus did on the cross to open up that access to God the Father, do we actually take advantage of that? 
Or do we actually just throw it and say, God, when I need you, I'll pray? Do we walk and pray with God? I'm super thankful for that. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Church, we have a full access pass to God the Father because of what Jesus did for us. The next thing he gives us is clarity. As we continue in verse 29, he says, His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. And Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come. When you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. The response of the disciples regarding what Jesus has said is to assume that the hour he's talking about meant right then. But instead, Jesus had been speaking about the hour to come, namely, after his resurrection. And they spoke up and declared they had full insight on who Jesus was. They said, we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. However, their actions at the true moment of the cross didn't say that, right? They revealed that they did not fully understand. They didn't have full clarity just by their actions at the cross. Jesus, knowing this, points out two things that will shape their relationship moving forward. First, that when the moment of crisis hits, they, uh, they will scatter and flee. They left. All of them will leave and abandon Jesus. Yet Jesus is saying this to encourage them. Even though they will betray him, they will leave him, he will not betray and abandon them. Isn't that good news? Same thing in my story. Even when I leave and betray God and I walk away from him, he still pursues us. He still walks with us. He still wants to be with us. He never leaves us, never betrays us, never abandons us. The second thing that Jesus mentions is that his relationship in oneness with the Father will not be disrupted. He says, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. Jesus is enough to secure his relationship with his flock and is secure enough in his relationship with the Father that he won't be abandoned. Any journey that you take, any trip that I've ever taken, whether it's hiking, whether it's hunting, whether it's going camping, you have to have a navigation system, right? Whether it's a GPS, a compass, a map, um, whatever that may be, a lot of those are now in our dash where you have this map that's right there in front of you. It can tell you where you're going, how to get there. It tells you when there's traffic coming, tells you how long it'll take to get through that traffic. It can tell you sometimes how to get around that traffic, right? No matter what journey we're on, we have to actually have a GPS, a map, something to get us to our destination, knowing where you are, where you are going, and much of the contours of what you will encounter along the way are helpful 
to successfully navigate a route, right? In the same way, the clarity that we need in life comes from what Jesus accomplished. It comes from what he accomplished in his life, his work of living the life we could not live. Dying on the cross as a sacrificial substitute on our behalf. And his glorious resurrection on our behalf. It provides us with clarity, right? And then outside of that, he provides us with the Holy Spirit to direct us. He provides us with the scriptures, the word of God to get us. And it's our roadmap. When we actually go and we ground ourselves in the word of God, we actually study the word of God. We can actually know how to get through life. When we listen to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can tell us when things are coming up. Hey, John, go this way. When traffic comes along in life and road bumps, it can tell us, hey, this is not good. We need to go around it. It's our roadmap. It's our navigation. God provides that for us to give clarity on the identity, mission, and love of God for us in Jesus Christ. And then Jesus' question to his disciples that stems from their confession in verse 30 is pointed to us as well. He says, Do you now believe? Do you now believe? Do we believe? We believe because we have clarity. And the third and last thing we look at is that Jesus gives us peace. I love this last verse. It says this, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. The conclusion of the farewell discourse is encapsulated in this statement in verse 33. Jesus' goal in teaching all these things has been for the peace of his disciples, but it's also been for your peace, for our peace. But the question is, is this, what does peace like this look like? What is that peace that we're looking for? Jesus identifies that it will not be the tranquility of no bad days. The peace that we're looking at, it doesn't mean that once you're a follower of Jesus Christ that you're just going to sail through life and have everything easy. It means that you're going to go through trials. There's going to be trouble that comes along the way. There's going to be traffic There's going to be things that come along that you are going to be confused about, that you're going to walk through, and you're going to be like, God, where are you? Look at our world today. You may look at this last election, and you're like, oh my goodness, God, how could you allow this? Where are you? I'm confused, God, just like the disciples. You may look at at man and think that that's where we put our faith, but it's not. Do we believe that God is still on the throne? That we serve an amazing God who knows all. And he has a plan. And when we walk through those trials, when we walk through those times of confusion, we can have the peace that passes all understanding 
knowing that God's still on the throne, knowing that we have an eternity in heaven and no matter what we walk through here on life, in life, that we one day will spend eternity with Jesus, with God. And we can make it through all these things. Do you have that peace? Do you believe that you have everything you need in Jesus to get through life? Do you believe that? There's going to be things that let you down. There's going to be troubles. But we have to stay grounded in the truth. We have to be grounded in the word of God, knowing that he knows all and he loves us and he has a plan. And we can have peace in that and clarity. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.